we are hardly authentic Christians. We came to Christ Church because of a death, the death of Todd Heinrich. His wife, Halita, who you all know, invited us to return to enjoy some of the services here, which we did. Suzanne enjoyed it so much that she decided she would like to attend here permanently, but under the condition that I would attend with her. <laughs> After all, I'm the Episcopalian. <laughs> but really, I was busy orthopedic surgeon, working 60 to 70 hours a week. I was taking trauma call many weekends and at nights. I was senior member in the practice, which gave me some administrative duties. I was educating orthopedic residents. I was giving talks locally and internationally. I was doing mission trips in Central America. And, and I was writing textbook chapters. Besides, I was what Patrick would refer to as an executive Christian. That is, a CEO. Christmas and Easter home. <laughs> How could I possibly fit this in? Well, I know now, through the welcoming openness of Christ Church, I now realize how personally enriched that I and Suzanne have become. I'm personally on a path to learn more through adult education, Bible study, and prayer. That's a tough one. I've, lear I've learned, however, that the involvement in church and with Christ and becoming one with Christ is not something you fit in. I further know and realize in retrospect that no, though I was not always consciously with God, God, fortunately, was always with me and all of us. Is it on? Okay. Sorry. Uh, Earl spoke of a more recent experience. I'd like to take you back 25 years to another time when our lives were so enriched through a family crisis. Um, many of you may think nothing you do is that important. It's not that special. This story is for you. In January of 1995, I was in an automobile accident and broke my neck. I fractured my neck, my spine, my leg, and my skull. Fortunately, at the wreck site, there was my first godsend, a nurse. She would not allow anyone to take me and move me from the middle of the street. I would be a very different person today if they had. The second one, was a lawyer, a course oh, a wreck, a lawyer, right? No, this was a wonderful man who had a cell phone at a time almost 26 years ago when not everyone had a cell phone. He called for help, EMS was there quickly. Evaluated me, had me in a neck brace and we were off to Methodist Hospital. No panic so far. But when I got to the emergency room and I asked someone, what time it was, and it was about 7.15, 7.30. Panic did set in. 
mothers might understand this. I had carpool that morning. I had a very busy day, and I really didn't have time for this. So I was informed rather quickly that I would not be doing any carpool that day. And so I found another nurse, kind. I requested a nurse who was a mother who could calmly call my house and tell my sixth grader, Rebecca, that she would need to call Lisa Slattery Miller's mother and ask her to take carpool. Check. Done. Now, my spinal cord, when I broke my neck, was not severed, but it did take a hit. And when it, something takes a hit, it becomes edematous, it swells. And fortunately, most time, and unfortunately this time, because of the strong, bony spine, there was no place to go. So because of the pressure, I developed central cord syndrome and I lost the use of my arms and legs. Now every day, the doctor said, you're probably going to get this back. But every day it didn't happen. And so we became pretty concerned. Now, eventually it did start to subside, but not before there was some damage. And that, along with three weeks on my back in the hospital bed, meant that it was going to be three months or more before I even started to look normal. Um, but that's not actually the story here. The story is the people who showed up for us while we were on this journey. My husband, Butch Earl, he was now dealing with a wife who was critically injured, a very scared family, and a very busy pediatric orthopedic practice. A friend came up very quickly and said, Butch, I'm here for you. I'm here. What do you want me to do? He said, I don't know. I don't know what she does. <laughs> so she methodically, Christina methodically went through the things that mothers and wives do during the day to make the household, the family, everything run more smoothly. So what does this smart, intelligent, organized man do? He makes a chart. <laughs> you got a chart with everything on the chart. I mean, everything that needed. Buy the food, fix the food, serve the food, clean up the food, take the garbage out, feed the dog, clean the pool. It was all on the chart. And while he is trying desperately to spend as much time with me in the hospital and our children at home and keeping his business afloat, others were loving on him. A dear friend showed up in the waiting room and he was waiting during one of my several surgeries. This is a quiet, gentle man. I don't think more than a couple words were probably spoken between the two during the time they were together, but he was there. He just sat quietly and was with Butch. And our friends, our family, Butch's partners, the physicians, his office staff, Everyone he worked with at the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, the administrators, all the ancillary people, they were there for him. They talked, they hugged, they helped, they, whatever he needed, they were there for him, caring for the caregiver. Our son, oldest son, Sean, was in college. He got home as often as he could to do whatever he could. But Brian, our 11th grader, at the time, much bigger now, <laughs> was our shining star. God had a plan for this crazy, cute, 
teenager with ADD, you know, and who quite often made some pretty questionable choice life choices. But not only did he take care of the, you know, he was working the chart, and he was making sure Rebecca was doing her part, I'm sure. But he was loving on our sixth grader, Rebecca. He loved and took care of her. He made sure she got to and from school. He made sure she did her homework, got fed, got to bed on time, and made sure that uh, she got to the hospital as often as possible. And when I got home, he was there for me. Helped me in and out of my hospital bed, into the wheelchair. Our first trip out of the house was to church, as it should have been. And he helped me in the wheelchair to get to church and back. He was at my side every minute of the time. This child was here for our family at a time when we so desperately needed him. He very quickly was morphed in from a very crazy teenager to a very capable, loving young man. And while he was loving on us, the others were loving on him. His friends, our friends, family. Even his, at his um, counselor at school, MacArthur called him in and they chatted. She said, I'm here for you, Brian. Whatever you need. If you want to talk to me, I think she gave him a pass to come to her office anytime he needed. And she said, if you just need to get away and be by yourself, use my office. I am here for you, caring for the caregiver. And then there was Rebecca, sixth grader. We knew from a long time ago. She was meant for the stage. She was animated. She was funny. And she crawled up in my hospital bed with me and regaled what she had done and what had happened at school with her friends, on the teams, everything. Now, we had laughter in our house. This was not a model in time. There was a lot of laughter. But she was a spark. And others were there for her. One mother, a mother of six, took her out to get a dress for their school's Valentine's Day dance. And other mothers made sure she got to the dancing and back. There was another friend that would take her every now and then to her house after school. And they do pottery or artwork. She was art artsy. They were loving on us in so many ways. After three weeks in the hospital, I was going home. And I was met with a huge welcome home sign. And a dining room that had been lovingly converted into a, a bedroom, complete with hospital bed. All the bedrooms were upstairs. I couldn't do stairs. And also to greet me was my mother and father in their mid-70s. Um, and here these wonderful people were there to take care of their 47-year-old daughter and their family while I literally was trying to get up on my feet. And my sister, 12 years my junior, college professor, called and said, she didn't want to go to the Caribbean that year for spring break, when she had her spring break. She wanted to come take care of our family. And we said, thank you. She was kind, sweet, gentle, and 12 years younger than me. Energy, blessing, and friends. Friends showed up in spades. Our Anne Wright, we all know, and friends organized meals for our family. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the first month I was home from the hospital. And 
This was at a time when there was no such thing as take them a meal on the computer. This is 26 years ago almost. So it was, they did it one phone call at a time and probably landline to landline. But it was so much more than food. They brought me the news of the day, which mothers want to have. What's going on with the schools, the PTAs, the teams, in their lives? That was a blessing. And so many people asked if they could put us on their, on their prayer list at their church. We had Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, Episcopal, Catholic, and we were even on the prayer list of wherever it is, Temple Bethel. And we thank them for it. And I bet if you ask any one person who helped us during this time, they say, it's no big deal. But to us, every act of kindness was a blessing. God was all around us. So please believe me when I tell you that you are truly special. You enrich the lives of others. And you're well on your way to becoming an authentic Christian when you just show up. Just showing up or being present in or with Christ Church has been a wonderful beginning for us. I personally regret that I didn't begin this path sooner. So I would encourage you, welcome you, to join Susan, Suzanne and I on our spiritual journey toward becoming authentic Christians. Amen. Amen. Amen.